Good morning. This is uh, the first time I've ever preached in a rotunda, so I'm sorry if my back's turned to you. I am Ben Mayfield, the minister to students, but I feel like since it's Chapel Roswell University, I should be the dean of students, maybe? I mean, I don't know if that's the right. Um, So as dean of students, uh, Reverend Marion and uh, Arturo said, we're going to give you the most important Sunday of the year, which is the start of our Giving Sunday our pledge campaign, so that's great. So they gave me the most important Sunday, which is to ask everybody for money, so it's great. It's a, it's a great start, a quick way to make friends. Uh, no, I, uh, I want to start off with a little bit of, I don't, I don't know if, uh, if uh, a call out, a praise. We went to Camp Glisten last weekend for our confirmation retreat. Do we have any confirmands or ex-cons or parents of ex-cons? We get some hands up. All right, Awesome. So, yeah, give them a round of applause. That's awesome. Yeah. We got some up there. Let's go. And what's really cool about that is is my first experience going with these students on a retreat, getting away from the world, you know, getting away from all the the cell phones, electricity, and all the – we had electricity, but, like, the plug-in, right? And we went to Glisten, and I just – the spirit was alive, and I think sometimes in, in my position as, as a minister to students, I get to see this more so than some of us, but students are incredible. Young people have the spirit of God that dwells in them, and it's miraculous. The way that they were praying for everybody. Saturday night was a big worship night, and I saw middle schoolers praying for other middle schoolers. Now, I don't know, as you as an adult, would you, do you get nervous praying just out loud, but let alone praying for someone sitting next to you? I mean, is that not incredible? A middle school boy, I saw high school leaders weeping and crying uh, and, and just praying for each other and lifting each other up. It was just an incredible experience. And one of the things I loved about it was there was a spirit of openness of saying, you know what, I'm going to take down some walls I'm going to have some vulnerability, which is a strength, not a weakness. Hear me say that. Vulnerability is a strength, not a weakness. And I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to move. And so today in this service, in this message, I pray that we have a spirit of openness and vulnerability and allow God to work through us. We uh, have some great scripture for us today. It's Matthew chapter 22, verses Uh, 15 through 22. So, then the Pharisees went out and laid plans to trap him in his words. They sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. They said, teacher, they said, we know that you are a man of integrity and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth. You aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it right to pay the imperial tax to Caesar or not? I love, I love this scripture, and there's two groups here. There's the Pharisees, and then there's the Roman officials, right? And these two are, are two villains. They're like, a, like Thanos and Loki, you know? Or if it's like DC, it'd be like the Joker and Lex Luthor. For a certain generation, it's like a Skeletor and Megatron, maybe, I don't know. Uh, if, it, if you need something older than that, I don't have it. Uh, I, I only go to the 80s. Uh, 
I did watch one out in 12 back in the day, TV land people out there. Uh, but this, you had these two groups. And what, what's funny about it is these villains-ish misunderstood, didn't know quite who Jesus was at this point. But they're trying to trap. They're trying to set Jesus in a trap. And they kind of join forces a little bit here to do so. And, when I, and, and sometimes, I don't know about y'all, but like, when I read scripture, sometimes I just like go. Like I read it, consume it, and I'm done. Boom, got it, check off. I read my scripture for the day. Bonus points for heaven, right? But sometimes when we take a minute and we look at it, there's some things that, that can speak to us. Some things that maybe we go a little too fast. And if you think about it, they're setting a trap. They're really trying to trick Jesus into saying something that's going to cause Jesus and the disciples and the followers to get in trouble, put them in danger. And I think often we put God in a trap. We put God in a box. It could be as simple as, I think the students may relate to this one. How many of y'all have ever had a test? And the day of, you're like, oh, Jesus, if you give me a passing grade, I will serve you. I will love you. I will be the most, every Sunday I'm there. Every Wednesday I'm there. Every, every church thing I'm there. If I just get a passing grade. Has anyone done that before? Right? Where we give God a, a condition. I'll love you if you give me a passing grade. But then I think for us, if we go with that a little deeper, a little more mature with it, is how often do we go to God when it's the two extremes? When there's a praise, like, oh, there's awesomeness going my God, like going in my life, thank you, God. And then how often do we go to God when it's tragedy, when it's the worst moment? Someone's sick, someone's ill, someone's dying. Or there's a breakup, or there's some uh, financial trouble, there's trouble in a relationship. We go to God at those moments. What if your husband or your wife or your best friend only talked to you, only dealt with you when it was only the worst of times and the best of times. Would that be a strong relationship? Probably not. And we try to put God in this box that fits us. The trap is not trying to trick Jesus, get him in trouble, but our trap is we want Jesus to do what we want him to do on our time and on our schedule. And if he doesn't do it, then he falls for it. I think when we read that scripture, it's calling us, saying, hey, maybe we don't need to put God in a box. Perhaps Jesus wants to be there from the extremes and everything in between, because that's what a relationship is. And as we grow deeper in our understanding of God, it says, how can I grow in that relationship, knowing that God is with me every step of the way, not just on the milestones, not just in the heights and the depths, but everything in between. God wants everything all the time. So we read that scripture, setting a trap. No, no, don't do that. But then he goes into it, and I love this. Oh, it's the best part. It goes in, not the best part, but it's a good part. It says, but Jesus, knowing their evil intent. I'm a very loud, animated person, if you didn't know that already. But Jesus, knowing their evil intent. I think, I think evil, I think more skeletor, but Jesus, knowing their evil intent, said, you hypocrites, why are you trying to trap me? I love it. Because when we read this, we go, ha ha, they're bad guys, those hypocrites. They didn't know what they were doing. Who would do that? I don't do that. But what I love about hypocrites is 
is sometimes we have to really recognize that the scripture is speaking to us. And if you don't know what the word hypocrite means, it means you, you say one thing and you do something differently. Do you fit more of that category? That category sounds a little nicer. Like, yeah, I've done that. But if you call me a hypocrite, I get angry, I get defensive. But Jesus is saying you're hypocrites. And I think of like some examples is if you're being hypocritical, maybe the Holy Spirit is convicting you. Conviction. We don't talk about that a lot. Conviction is this, this little uh, conscious. The Holy Spirit saying, hey, maybe we shouldn't do that. Have you ever told someone that maybe they should seek healing? Or they should seek counsel while you are still hurting and while you are not seeking counseling? Have you ever told someone, I will pray for you, and then you never actually pray for them? I'm guilty of that. Like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. I'll pray for you. Got you, champ. And then I go on and do my thing, and I don't ever actually pray. I hope I'm not the only hypocrite in here, right? They're like, oh, that guy. He's the worst, not us. Have you ever said something where you, you go to church and you do something, and, and you go home and maybe you curse? Have you ever been on a highway in Atlanta? I mean, come on. Woo, the Lord's testing me, right? There are times where maybe I'm a little hypocritical, where I'm supposed to love God and love people, and maybe I love God, but people are hard to love sometimes, and it's this hypocritical nature. But what I love about being a hypocrite is that there's a conscious decision of, of knowing, of like, then I need something to help me. I need something to seek healing. I need something to help me not be a hypocrite. If you are not broken, what is the need for God? We are broken people, and we need this relationship to help us heal, to help us grow. And Jesus is saying, you hypocrites, stop. Stop trying to trap me. He says, show me the coin used for paying the tax. And they brought him a denarius, and he asked them, whose image is this, and whose inscription is this? You see, at this point... If you didn't know, the Pharisees, the Jewish people, are wanting him to say an answer. If you don't know what the trap is, here's the trap. If he says an answer of, oh, well, that's uh, the coin is for Caesar, then it sounds like he's a revolutionary, you know, or uh, apologize. If he says it's for Caesar, it sounds like he is um, given away of all the Jewish rights, of saying, hey, the Jewish people, like, you know what, Caesar's up there, he's more powerful, we're nothing. But if he denies Caesar, he sounds like a revolutionary, right? And then they had to squash him. So here's the trap that he has. He says, you're hypocrites. Don't try to ask this question of me. We not really want to know what the answer is. You're asking this question so I can get trapped. So Jesus goes into verse 18 to 21. And I like to call this the meaty part. Right, we have some great appetizers. I mean, the most delectable appetizers. Sometimes appetizers are better than the main meal. Anybody appetizers? Like, oh, gosh, yes. Or just me, okay. And then this is the meaty part. This is the good dinner part, right? Caesar's, they replied. They said to them, so give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Give back to Caesar's what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. I love this because God is saying, get that coin to Caesar. That's great. Do it. 
awesome. But give God what's to, what is, is due to God, what is owned by God, which is everything. Not just part of it, not just whole. So what does it look like to give God everything? And to God, what is God's? To give him everything. It's a great question. I'm glad I asked it. All right, a little humor. Too much. All right. So giving God everything. You ever heard of an IP address? Any tech guys? Any IT guys? Yeah, or ladies. All right, IP address. It's a, a unique uh, code that connects uh, people to the world, like the Internet. It's very unique. It's IP address. Well, did you know, little tidbit, that you have a godly IP address? <laughs> what? How is that even possible? Well, it stands for identity and purpose. That's where you go, ooh, identity and purpose address. All right? And it, it, it connects us to God, and it's uniquely to God, identity and purpose. And so when I was thinking about uh, giving God everything and, and really looking about, you know, give Caesar Caesar, but give God everything, what does that look like? What was God preaching? And this idea of identity and purpose, uniquely to God, connects us to God. The first part is identity, where you're discovering who God's called you to be. You're exploring the call that God has you uh, and has called you to do, who God's created you to be. Identity, discovering, exploring. And I was thinking about Chapel Roswell University, right? I have a lot of college stories, some better than others, but one of which I was an RA, which is a resident assistant. Do y'all, do y'all know what RAs? I mean, the people that live in the dorm, it's like a, a junior or senior, and they like help the freshmen live in the dorms. Some of them call them CAs, but lame. They're RAs, right? <laughs> CAs were like community assistants, but resident assistants. And I was a resident assistant. And this is, this is a brag, but you know the story's going to take a turn, otherwise I wouldn't tell it. I got RA of the year, rookie of the year, no bigs, no bigs. Uh, it's like super awesome. And then the second year I was doing it, I got like the highest like hall climate survey. Like this is the best survey, best RA. I'm like, okay, like I'm awesome. I get it. And then one day I got fired. <laughs> Boom. There's the twist, right? You weren't ready for that, right? <laughs> I got fired. And it was, it wasn't even like, this is the worst part. Like it wasn't even like a cool firing. Like I didn't have like a Harley Davidson like in the door and like, boom, 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 boom. Like doing something cool. It was pretty lame. But I'm not going to tell you. That way you keep wondering what it was. Um, but I got fired. And I don't know if anybody in here has ever been fired from a job. Or you've been through some type of turmoil with a fiancé or uh, your wife or your husband or a boyfriend or girlfriend. Or, or maybe you have some financial trouble. But there's some turmoil that happens during that time. And for me was the word Embarrassment. I mean, I was well-known. I was an RA. I was like, yeah, blah, 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 community, friends. I had a lot of them. And I got fired. And I was embarrassed. And with embarrassment comes shame. Comes this place where I don't know what to do. I feel lost. I feel like everybody's going to look at me differently. That I'm going to be seen as something less than. Have you ever felt that way? Have you felt like when someone's looking at you, that you just know that they're looking back at you thinking you're worthless? Like, hmm, Bing got fired. You become the latest gossip, the latest tea, 
the latest lunch conversation with people. Oh, did you hear? Yeah, Bing got fired. It's great. And I felt this way. And I felt this emotion. But I also felt a deeper type of pain because my identity was linked to being an RA. What I mean by that is I was all about it. I was sold on it. I was sold about, you know, doing the hallway, doing the community, uh, working, going on these socials and, and doing all these things at the front office. My identity was so intertwined with my job and my title. When I got fired, it wasn't just a disappointment. It was a devastation. I felt devastated. And I don't know if you're in a season of life or where your identity is linked to a job, to a title. Maybe it's about uh, how much money you make. Maybe it's about what type of relationship you have. Maybe it's uh, identity about how much power and control you have. Your identity sometimes can be linked to something. For students, if your identity is linked to your GPA but not a cross, you might be in danger. If your identity is about how many followers you have or how many Instagram friends you have or Snapchat, whatever social media thing you have, if your identity is linked to that, it is linked to things of the world and not of the kingdom. And that's where you don't just get disappointed, you get devastated. And when I was devastated, I, I got fired during spring break. So not only was I fired and had to leave the office and go back to the dorm to, to pack my stuff up, it was like the walking dead. There was like nobody there. And I was like, all right, like super sad and depressing. Now I'm all by myself. Just let it out. Yes, I cried. Not a lot. Maybe a lot. I don't know. And, and, I, go, and I go and I call my dad. He doesn't answer because he's working at a, a, a school and he was during school hours, so he wasn't there. Um, and so I, was, I didn't know who to call. So I called a man named Chris Davis, who was the youth pastor, or still is the youth pastor at Dahlonega UMC. And he was the guy that I was volunteering with. And he answered and I was weeping. I said, Chris, I need somebody. He said, I'll be there in three minutes. Two minutes later, he showed up. I was like, ah, impressive. And he showed up. He said, get in the truck. Come on. And we went for a ride. We just went for the roads. He said, tell me the story. What's going on? And we talked it out. And this is where I first learned about how my identity matters and how my identity should be in Christ and Christ alone. And that it was a brother in Christ who spoke life into me. It was a brother in Christ who was there for me who said, listen, Ben, don't place your stock into things of the world because they will fail you every single time. Even people, you may love your wife, you may love your husband, but they are broken and they will fail you. Your identity should be in Christ alone. But through Christ, when your identity is strong with Christ, there are things that you're able to do. Where you might get fired, you may go through turmoil, and you're disappointed, you're sad, you may get a little angry, but you're not devastated because you know that your firm foundation is in God's love. We did not plan that, but that was great. Good job. Your firm foundation is in Christ, and that's your identity. Purpose, identity and purpose. P, purpose. Everybody knows what purpose is, right? We can just go ahead and skip. All right, next point. I'm kidding. We're going to talk about it. Purpose. For me, my, it's like a calling, what you're called to do, what you're called to go serve and, and be a part of it. And for me, I definitely feel a call to youth development. 
I call it youth development because my dad is a teacher, my mom was a teacher, my brother's a teacher, I was a teacher, and so like I did a little bit of that. I also worked as a camp counselor, and now I'm in youth ministry. So obviously, in different facets, working with youth development is in my DNA. It is a calling of what I'm supposed to do. But I felt like with this message and reading this scripture, that should go a little deeper. Because our purpose is, is to serve God and, and to go calling to God with all your heart, your mind, your strength, your soul. And, and if you're supposed to do that, let's go a little deeper. And for me, I, uh, my purpose uh, wasn't always, not every aspect of my life was always about God. And I felt like it was a little bit of holding me back a little bit. And my analogy in my head, I, was, I actually came up this morning, so if it's great awesome. If not, I blame that. Was I felt like my purpose, and, and I was leaning into the youth ministry and, and working with young people, was like you have a car, but it's only 80% there. So like you have a car with no wheels. It's like, man, I got the air condition. I got the radio. I can lean back if I need to, but I'm not going anywhere. Does that make sense? Everybody with me on that? You're like, oh, a car with no wheels. Terrible, right? And so for me, I was like, well, what part of my life am I not giving God? Because right now you may be going, Ben, my, my purpose is to do this and do that, and that's fantastic. But if we dig a little deeper, is there a part that's missing? Is there a part that maybe we go, hmm, I could do a little bit better with that? So Chapel Roswell University, going back to college, I, I don't know if anybody, uh, I wouldn't say I grew up poor. I would say lower middle class, like where you're almost, you kind of question it, but not quite. How many of y'all ever had white bread with butter and brown sugar and you toasted it and that was your breakfast? Anybody? Okay, we got a couple. Yeah, you raise your hand, be proud. It's okay. We raised, we're right there. I, obviously, I did it. All right. How many of y'all ever used white bread as hot dog buns? Okay. How many of y'all also boiled those hot dogs instead of grilling them? I didn't know grilled hot dogs were a thing until I was older. Um, it was a thing. I didn't know. I was like, well, you can cook this differently? I didn't know that. How many of y'all, um, uh, well, this is a military kid thing. I had MREs growing up. I don't know if any military. Oh, there we go. We got, we got a couple. MREs are medi, uh, meals ready to eat, and my dad was military, and he would, like, <laughs> at first we thought it was cool, but I think what I found out later in life was we were struggling and they would always give away MREs, and my dad would, like, scoop them up. And be like, oh, this is a free meal. It's great. And my brother and I would eat them. We thought that was the coolest thing ever, All right? So money has always been kind of tight. I'm a little frugal person. You can ask Emily in our department. I always go, mm, we don't need name brand. Great value, like the name says, a great value. Um, yeah, sorry. <laughs> and <laughs> this is not a dig or anything, but I'm from, like, North Georgia. I'm from Dahlonega. Roswell, I think, is accustomed to certain tastes. So I'll start buying name brand Oreo. I apologize. Um, but I digress. With that being said, I felt like money was always something that I clinged on, something that I, I'm always afraid because I never knew if I would get more of it. And when I was in college, I was given a washer and dryer. It was great. Didn't need it. Already have one. So I sold them for a hundred dollars piece and had two hundred dollars. Now hear me. If you recall, you're back in your college days. If you had two hundred dollars, oh, 
the blessings. Oh, I can go get this. I can do this. I'm a champion. This is like three months worth of money. Like, I was, it was fantastic. I thought I was king of the world. Like a little about Titanic a little bit because I had $200. Ramen noodles, psh, don't need that anymore. I'm going to McDonald's, right? <laughs> like, I mean, I had $200. So I, was, I felt like a king. It was awesome. And then I went to a Wesley meeting which is a college ministry, UNG, uh, at University of North Georgia. And I was there, and I was like the student representative on the board. And so I'm in there, and Nathan, the Wesley director, was talking about how Wesley was struggling a little bit with giving. And I said, well, stinks for you. As I had $200 in my pocket, like cash money, and I was like, oh, man, that stinks. And like, you know, maybe like if you know, people can give, it'd be awesome. I'm trying to do some fun. I was like, yeah, you find that person. That'd be great. And for an hour and 15 minutes, yes, the board meetings were way too long, but for an hour and 15 minutes, and I think the reason why it was that long is because God was, was battling with me. There was a legit struggle. I felt like a hypocrite. Full circle, baby. Because I, I, here I am using this ministry. I'm in a small group. I, I, I help out with the worship, not singing and playing, in case you're wondering. I, I helped with, like, the tech stuff. Um, I, I, I did a leadership team. I'm on the board. I, I have my, like, my community. My best friends are all from Wesley, this college ministry. And here they are struggling. And I go, oh, well, that stinks for you. That's called being a hypocrite. That's called living one thing and not helping out when you can. Man, and God and I were fighting. It was like Lord of the Rings, you know, Helm's Deep. They were, they were charging and I was trying to fight. It's a nerdy reference, I apologize. But I was struggling, I was fighting. And in the meeting, everybody was leaving. I had the $200. And I said, Nathan, this is for Wesley. And I gave him the $200, and I walked away. Didn't want to look at it. I couldn't handle it. And I know what you're thinking. When I walked out of the hallway, was there this beam of light? <laughs> did it, God? Me and you, right here. No, that did not happen. I was angry. <laughs> I was mad. The entire hallway down, I was like, that was dumb. Why did you do that? Now you have to eat ramen again, and you were looking for those chicken nuggets, and like you probably have a parking ticket you got to pay. Like you got all these things, and it starts building up. I was not ecstatic. I was not happy. Hear me. I was not happy. I, was, I, was, I lost $200, but I felt like I had to. I felt this conviction, the Holy Spirit telling me I had to do something. It wasn't until years, I know, years later that I felt like, I think I did the right thing. I'm still here. I'm still breathing. I graduated college. I still had those friends. I realized that that money was something of the world, something that I was grasping onto so hard, so tightly that I was unable to receive the blessings that God had for me. I, I was unable to, to recognize what God was trying to teach me because I was holding on to the things of the world. I was missing my full purpose because I wouldn't let go. I don't know what it is that maybe you're holding on to, I don't know if it's money. I don't know if it's a title. I don't know what it may be. 
But maybe it's something where you spend some time with God and you argue and you figure it out and God's probably going to win and then you give it away. You give it away. And you start recognizing if God owns all, then we belong to God. If God owns all, then we belong to God. And our P, our identity and purpose is in God. So let go of every other master, every other thing of the world, whatever it is that you're grasping on, and experience the goodness of God. And this is my, my favorite part of the verse. It's the last verse, verse 22. He says, when they heard this, they were amazed. So they left him and went away. When they heard this, they were amazed. I looked in, in different uh, uh, verses, different uh, translations. It said amazed, surprised, astonished. They marveled. Here are people who are trying to trap Jesus. They were trying to get him. Said, ha we got you. And when Jesus spoke to them, they were amazed. Those are people who, who weren't followers of God, but they couldn't deny the amazement of who God was. So, it's not easy, but encounter Jesus, you might have to let go of some stuff. You might have to recognize that maybe there's some things that are holding us back, some things that are preventing us from really learning what our identity is, what our purpose is, and recognizing that we belong to God so to give him everything and hold nothing back. And to remember that we are loved by him, that we are valued by God, and we are known by God. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for this opportunity just to worship you, God. God, I pray that if there's someone in here today, I know there's someone in here that has turmoil, that has struggle, that is, is trying to, to figure out what is holding them back from loving you wholly and completely. What is it in their life that is saying, I'm a distraction from what God has called you to do? God, we pray for a spirit of openness to receive you. That God, that in our hands right now, if we were to, to, to cleanse them together to make a fist, can we visualize what it is that we're holding on to? And we hold tight and we squeeze tight. And that fist gets more and more painful. Your muscles get tight. But when we give it to you and we release, there is joy, there is relief, there is healing. So God, I pray that we read this scripture. We take a moment this week and this day just to, to be with you, to experience what it is to, to grow deeper in our relationship with you, to discover our IP address. Amen.